It's time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. All right, this is the wrap on 760 WJR. To a car phone we go. Dave, thanks for hanging on. You're on 760. Gentlemen, and Stephen Dan, you got the chemistry. It's cooking. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Are you calling us from your office? I'm doing Sports Center tonight. With, Are you uh, really? Dan Patrick. Well, yes. I'm very impressed. By the way, give Dan our best. He's a good man. And, I will. Uh, hey, uh, hey, Dan. Chuck Swirsky says hi. This is the best sports rap has ever been, in my opinion. Now, here's your host, Chris Renwick. Oh, man, I'll tell you. April 17th, we are just days away from the NFL draft here in 2021. And there are so many incredible storylines taking place. Like, Nick, I know you're obviously into this, too, but I mean, the, the amount of like high level wide receivers. I don't remember a draft like this where you've got such high level talent on the outside. That's going to be available. Obviously in the first round, the, the guys like, you know, obviously uh, Jamar chases and, and a, a ton waddle and all those guys are going to be available, but there's a lot of talent at the wide receiver position. I mean, into the third round, fourth round. Yeah, definitely. I, I am intrigued by these quarterbacks though. I mean, we've been watching Trevor Lawrence for a few years now, but what are the guys behind Trevor Lawrence going to become? Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilson, Lance, uh, I was a big Justin Fields guy. Mac Jones is making his way up to the top of the first sure round. Is. I think it's a lot of intrigue around the quarterbacks. Well, and you're going to have a whole plethora of guys going in that first, you know, the, the first, t- you know, probably top 10 picks. But look, in, in terms of what the Lions need, they need a lot. And that's not a surprise. They probably need a couple of pass catchers. They probably need a couple of offensive linemen, at least uh, somebody who can eat up some space along that defensive front in the middle. They probably need some help in the secondary, be it safety or corner. So I I don't think any position really off the board for the Lions. But, uh, you know, I I think that this is going to be an interesting uh, move here, at least for Brad Holmes in his first go around with as the general manager of this team, because he's got a lot of flexibility. And uh, certainly uh, a ton of intrigue here in, in these top 10 picks. So to break us all down for us, we had to call our friend Scott Bischoff, NFL draft scout and staff writer over at Football Guys, uh, to help us dissect this thing as we prepare for the 2021 NFL draft. Scott, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm terrific. Obviously, uh, there's going to be a lot of, uh, I, I would imagine, a lot of quarterbacks taken. Uh, here in the uh, the first uh, probably top five, top ten picks for sure. Um, outside of Trevor Lawrence, uh, who's the next pecking order in that order for the quarterbacks? Well, that's that's a tough question. Um, a lot of this is a lot of it's going to be uh, a team a scheme fit kind of thing and mm-hmm. uh, play style preference that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I would think Zach Wilson is quarterback two. As a not as a, a huge consensus, but I think I mean I think he is, and then it's a matter of if you're banking on upside, are you are you looking at Trey Lance, are you looking at Justin Fields? Those are the next two, and then I think Mac Jones for me is is a bit of a distant fifth in that in that mix. But you know, um, there's the whole all the speculation about him going three to San Francisco is. You know, it's out there. It's just a matter of whether we believe that. I don't. I personally don't. Um, I would not have moved all of the capital that they did. You know, to to just go acquire Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. But again, 
this is a very quarterback-friendly system. Uh, you can see how Mac Jones can work in that in that scheme in that system. It's just a matter of upside, right? So, yeah, it's an interesting it point. Yeah, sure. And I, I think one of the interesting storylines, at least on the quarterback front, is especially here in Detroit. Uh, you know, obviously uh, making the change in the trade to send Stafford uh, over to LA for Jared Goff. Uh, among other picks, but in terms of the quarterback position and, and then restructuring the golf deal, um, I, I imagine it's going to be a little more difficult for them to move on from Jared Goff in year two of this deal. So are the, are the lions in a position here to, to look at a quarterback or, or, or are they probably better suited or maybe better suited for a, a signal caller, maybe a next year's draft? Well, so another great question. I, you know, anytime you can address the quarterback position without having to give up future capital to do so, you, you might want to think about it. Uh, you, you know, you've made the point that they extended golf, so it's going to be tougher to get away from him after one year than it may have been. Um, not that they made it tougher on themselves, but the, the restructure makes it a little that, okay, it, it seems like golf is going to be here for two years. So if that's the case, are you drafting a quarterback in year one to have him sit for, you know, a full season and then some? I don't know. Um, but so it's it's you know it's almost like a chicken egg thing. Like do you do you take? Let's just let's just use a name and let's assume that the Lions really like one of the quarterbacks who might be available at seven. Let's say it's Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Do we really think they're going to pass up a chance to take a quarterback that they really really like? I don't know. You know, I mean, it's it's um, th- this group of decision makers like Jared Goff enough to trade up for him a few years ago, and you know, to make him the first overall pick. They made their move to go acquire him in the off season, so I think that speaks to you know to where they are as far as quarterback goes. It's just a matter of what they think long term of one of the quarterbacks. In a perfect world, you make Jared Goff work, and you use the picks that you acquired in the Stafford trade to build the team around him. And the nice thing about what they did do is, you know, you addressed the quarterback position through Jared Goff. So you, you went to the market one time, and then you have two picks next year. And if, if you need to go to the market for a quarterback, you can do it next year. And you have two picks the following year, so you can do the same thing. So, the, so what the Lions effectively did is they gave themselves a multi-year opportunity to, to address the quarterback position if, it, if the Goff thing is not working. So I'm leaning – I would lean towards them, you know, likely not taking quarterback this year unless somebody were to fall to them at pick seven that they just could not pass up. Does that make sense? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I don't know who that would be. I mean, my assumption is, you know, Trey Lance is, is an upside uh, – you know, he, I mean, he's, a, he's an interesting prospect because his, his uh, freshman season – his first season in college football was was just dynamic. It was, and, you know, and for the things that they asked him as a 19-year-old to do to set protections and, and to read defenses and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now he did it at a lesser a lesser school than, say, Trevor Lawrence did when he when he you know flashes a freshman. But his season was just as good. He, you know, he's his upside is, you know, as good as any quarterback in this draft. It's just you might have to wait a little bit on him. But having said that, I don't think he's anywhere near as raw as some people make him out to be. That he's, you know, he's a multi-year uh, guy, a guy who needs to sit for a very long time before he can play. I don't think that's the case with him. I think that you got to build a system for him, just like with all these quarterbacks. 
But, you know, um, anytime, I just think that anytime you can reset your franchise by taking a quarterback, that is a smart move, especially if you don't have to move capital to go up and get them. So we'll, we'll sure. make the assumption that, you know, next year they may have to, they may have to trade both of those first round picks to go get a quarterback. And I think sure. it, it would be better to not have to do that. Well, and, but at least they have the option, right? I think you said it. They set themselves up to at least give themselves the option on a multi-year level. So we'll see how it goes. Look, there's a lot of other intrigue here in the draft. Lots more to get to. I'd love if you could stick around for us for a couple of minutes. Who's your top pass catcher? What do you think of Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida? Uh, Penny Sewell out of Oregon. we got a lot to talk about. We'll get to more with Scott Bishop next. On WJR's Sports Rest. Sports Rest. Give us a call. And tomorrow we'll be at uh, Grand Blanc, Warwick Hills, for the Pro-Am. And the state of Michigan has gone absolutely bananas over Tiger Mania. Now back to more Sports Rap. 1,000 people today at 7 a.m. to watch Tiger Woods at a practice round. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. I haven't seen this many guys thrown out of anywhere since Dime Beer Night at the local tavern. Here's Chris. All right, welcome back to Sports Wrap. Uh, joined by our good friend Scott Bischoff, the NFL Draft Scout and staff writer over at Football Guys. Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot been made about um, certainly Devonta Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, guys like Jalen Waddell, his his uh, other wide receiver uh, uh, counterpart over in, in Alabama. And then you got guys like Jamar Chase over at LSU, uh, who's who th- these guys seem to be, you know, kind of <laughs> stop me for they heard this before, but unmissable prospects, right? Like these guys are guaranteed to be high end. Uh, playmakers. But then I, I think one of the most interesting things I've seen is uh, in some of these mock drafts is that your first pass catcher off the field could be Florida's uh, Kyle Pitts, the tight end. And and he seems like a can't miss pro- a prospect. Who do you, in terms of your, your pass catcher rankings, who do you, you kind of label there as number one and then, and then following down the list. So I, in that sense, it's a matter of, you know, I think there's some there's you're looking for a little security when it's wide receiver one. I think it's when all is said and done. I think Jamar Chase is probably that guy. Uh, I would put Kyle Pitts in consideration there. They they're both physical players. Obviously, Pitts is much bigger than than all of them. Um, he offers you Pitts would offer you really interesting ways to to change up your offense and just in some simple ways just by being on the field. Now think about. Think about the Lions coming out in a in a five wide set with Pitts and T.J. Hawkinson attached to like not Pitts but Hawkinson's attached to the line of scrimmage as your inline type and maybe Pitts is on the backside of the formation in the slot, and teams respond to that by bringing out a smaller you know package of players their dime package you know to to you know defend the pass, and the Lions see this and they audible back to the run and now you've got two tight end types in and you've got mismatches as far as being able to run the ball and the and the inverse could be said. The same thing. You could you can come out in a uh, in a tight formation, looking like you're running the ball. Defense responds going heavy, and then you audible and you spread everything out, and you've got mismatches all over the field. So so there's a there's a variety of things that Pitts does just by being on the field, and and mismatches that he could offer your offense. And the other thing I will tell you is he runs routes like a wide receiver. I I would call him more wide receiver than tight end. I think if you looked at him like a cross between say. Mike Evans and um, I don't want to say Julio Jones because that feels like a little bit 
that feels a little dirty to say that, but it is like a little that. lofty expectations there. It is, but he wins yeah. the same way. Like when he's yeah. on the boundary, he wins with the ball high. He wins. He wins by going up and getting the ball and elevating over defenders. He does. So you know he could he can do a variety of things for your offense. Now, Jamar Chase is a very physical receiver. There are times when his physicality and his desire to sort of muddy it up or mix it up um, hides his speed, which is he has good speed. Now, I think we all need to remember that pro day speed is different than than combine speed. So the LSU track has been historically fast. Uh, it may not be a full forty yards. We're not quite sure about that, especially this but, year. Yeah. So his, I mean, his forty. His 40 was 4.38 official, and I would say he's more of a 4.5, you know, player. But it's not a knock on him. His speed is fine. He ran away from SEC defenses when he wanted to. He also made things very tough on them uh, when he wanted to because he's very physical. So he did all those things. So you know, when you're looking at those two guys, they're they're big enough, and they bring enough physicality and play style that you don't see them busting at the NFL level. With the other two, I'm you know I would not consider Devonte Smith a, a can't miss prospect. I just he's such an outlier with his weight and his you know his BMI where, where you're looking at like body mass density where he's he's very light. He looks, I mean I'll tell you he looks like a high school point guard is what he looks like, and it's tough to find you know players who have who have been successful as light as he is. But then when you watch the film, you don't see a player who looks like he's getting pushed around. You don't see a player who, who suffers because he's small. He doesn't play that way. So, I mean, that gives you some hope. And Jalen Waddell is, you know, I know he's a little smaller. He's 5'10 and 180 pounds. But of all the guys, of, the, of all those top four, he may be the most intriguing just with the speed. Just, I mean, it, it, it's, more than just, it's more than just 40 yard fast. It is, you know, he's quick and he's fast to accelerate, accelerate off the line of scrimmage. But then the, when he's got the ball in his hands, it, it just look, there are times when it looks like he's got a different gear, another gear that most players just can't get to. It just, that's what it looks like. There are times when he, it, it's like first gear is there, second gear is there. Oh, now we see a third gear, and he's just running away from everybody. And I think, you know, that, that as far as today's offense goes, makes, makes him super intriguing. So with those four guys, I almost think that, you know, you, obviously you have to tailor things around them, but – if we're looking at our quarterback, I shouldn't say our, if we're looking at the Lions quarterback with Jared Goff, Goff seems to be um, a quarterback who wants to be able to trust the receiver to get open before he will throw the ball to a receiver. And of all these guys who fit that mold, I think that's more Jalen Waddell, uh, Devonta Smith, and Kyle Pitts, and maybe less Jamar Chase, although Chase gives you true wide receiver one, you know, X position versatility. So I, can't go wrong really with all of them yeah that's interesting scott uh i think if bob quinn were still the lions gm uh you couldn't take penny sewell off the board uh, their organ offensive tackle what do you think about him as a fit with the lions and you think brad holmes could even uh look at him if he falls to seven uh he should and he should run to the podium if he's there at seven he really should he is 20 years old we have we have film of him as a uh, his first year in college football was as a 17-year-old for half a season, and then as an 18-year-old. His second year was as an 18-year-old, and then as you know, back half of the season when he was 19. So you watch the Auburn game in 2019. He's 18 years old, going up against the Auburn defensive line. They had Derek Brown go seventh overall. Marlon Davidson went 40-something to Atlanta in the second round, and Sewell was fine. I mean, no issues in that game. Now it's not always pretty. 
but this is a very physical player. This is a guy who wants to mix it up, you know, and, and again, he is currently 20 years old. He will be 20 years old when the season starts. He will be 25 years old when you sign him to your second contract. If he works. right, he, he, you know he's, I mean? so, he's going to be a guy. Yeah. He's going to be a guy that's going to continue to, to, to hang around uh, and play at a high level at such a young age. It, we haven't really talked defense, uh, defensive players here, but th- there are some guys that, that could be in that upper echelon, particularly Micah Parsons, the linebacker at Penn state. Yeah, he scares. He is, um, of all the players that we've listed, that you guys have listed, he is the one player that I think would scare me the most with, with where the lions are picking based on a couple things we've seen. Um, trying to say this, respectfully because obviously Parsons is a very he's a ridiculous athlete who had an incredible season two years ago but in in his play is some Jared Davis type stuff where Mm. he needs to attack he needs to come forward he needs to be very aggressive and when he does that there are moments where he will get out of position he will be in the wrong gap he will overrun plays so you see that kind of stuff right um, yeah, and, and there are red flags about him that I would agree with you. I I, I, I got 30 seconds left here. Yeah. What do you think about the Lions possibly trading back? Do you think that's a real option here? I do. I think, I mean, it's a great option, but the one thing in there is that you trade back. If you go back far enough, you're you're getting a, first, uh, you know, a future first-round pick, and you already have two next year. You have two the following year. You have one this year. You're having to pay a lot of guys. At the mm-hmm. same time, so my my assumption would be if the Lions did do that, they'd be looking to to uh, you know to acquire more first round picks to be able to move around next year, sure, you know, and to to sell some of those those picks like we saw Brad Holmes do with Jalen Ramsey and you know that kind of stuff. So it's something that that we should monitor and we should pay attention to is is the inability to pay you know all these first round picks at the same time the fifth year option that they'd have to pay them. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know that I would totally see. Uh, all of these first round picks as as selections for this team uh, but yeah, with yeah. that being said give you the option uh, you, you certainly can can move those picks move around the draft board if you'd like or acquire some ready-made talent all good stuff Scott Bischoff NFL scout uh, NFL draft scout and staff writer football guys always appreciate the time thank you Anytime. thanks guys all right more to come on sports wrap coming up next Now back to more sports wrap. Let's take you now to the podium and Lions owner Bill Ford. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Right now, Wayne Fonts and his staff are no longer the coaches of the Detroit Lions. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, welcome back to Sports Wrap. I know we talked last week, uh, Nick, about the some of the, the the trades and the deals that were made. Uh, by Steve Eiserman into the Detroit Red Wings with some, you know, lower rung kind of guys. Um, basically, and we talked to our Regner about it, and he said, look, if they weren't going to be part of this thing long-term, if they weren't long-term going to be a part of this team and a contributor, then I think Steve Eiserman looked at it and said, you know, these guys aren't, they're, they're not going to be of any value to us down the road. Let's get some picks. Let's pick up some lottery tickets in these, in these draft selections. And then let's start trying to build this team uh, from the ground up. It's obviously difficult because this team is still 
maybe two or three years down the road from real contention. Um, but these pick, the more you can pick up in terms of draft selections and opportunities to draft a really good player, it's only going to help you. Uh, and, and he made another big splash with the Anthony Mantha deal, sending Anthony Mantha to Washington for Jacob Barana and a, a couple of draft picks, first and second round draft picks. That's a big deal for this team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Verana has as many goals as Mantha has this season and is a good player. Washington really liked him, but um, as some people pointed out, Anthony Mantha was a controlled cost and Verana wasn't. So uh, the Capitals knew what they were getting and knew what they were paying with Anthony Mantha, whereas Verana will uh, is still yet to sign his extended contract. So they thought they can get a sure thing with Mantha and the Red Wings got two picks. And I think it's it, it shouldn't be unsaid that you go from a team like Washington, which is in contention, a really good hockey team, to Detroit, which is the opposite, at least at this point in time. Um, and you kind of wonder how a player like that is going to respond. Like, are they going to step up to the plate and, and try to make this team better and make this organization better? Or do they just kind of wait around until you know they can get out of this deal and, and become a free agent? If If... Jacob Verana decides to to step up to the plate and be a real contributor here. I would imagine that that would go a long way in Steve Eiserman maybe re-upping him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the knock on Mantha was he wasn't consistent in his effort and his play. He was a high-end scorer. But Verana's Big that body. like yeah, I think Verana could be that like gritty guy who goes in the corners but also can score. Yeah. Um so I mean, an update on their draft capital, which is just insane. This draft, they have two first-rounders, three second-rounders, two-thirds, two-fourths, and two-fifths. Next year, they have one first, two seconds, a third, and three-fourths. So, I mean, Steve Eiserman is just probably drooling right now over these next two drafts. Yeah, well, of course he should be. This is this is what he wants to do. You want to build, uh, you want to build with your own homegrown talent. I think you're starting to see some of those guys pan out. The Michael Rasmussens of the of the organization are really starting to to come on and play really well. But losing a guy like Anthony Mantha is, I mean, it's a it's a bummer because we thought he could be a good player here. Maybe he just needed a change of scenery. Um, but at the same time, he just never quite panned out. And so, with that said, uh, you you gotta you gotta make a move here. I, I thought I thought Steve Eiserman did the right thing, and he got a, a huge haul. I mean, that's an A plus deal. Yeah, and he's not a young world. guy either. I mean, he's twenty six. He'll be twenty seven by the time next season starts. So it's not like you're giving up on a a twenty two year old who hasn't panned out in his first two years. I mean, how long are you going to hold on to him in hopes that he becomes this elite scorer? Well, he's sure, already in course. his sixth year. So yeah, and I mean, eventually you gotta you gotta you know. Fisher cut bait. And so that's what Steve Eiserman did. And as a matter of fact, Steve Eiserman talked with our Mitch album earlier this week, and he had some very interesting things to say. The question that people are wondering is, you know, Mantha was, was when he got here, he was obviously a high pick. He was hailed as a, you know, a cornerstone perhaps of the wings future. What made you decide that you were going to go a different direction? Well, um, I guess, you know, we're, obviously, we're the, the Red Wings are rebuilding, and uh, you know, the first, uh, previous couple of years before I uh, returned to the organization, Kenny had uh, 
started that I, you know, at the deadline, starting to trade away some of your players, some of your free agents and acquire picks. And then coming here in 19, I've continued with that program. And we just, uh, you know, this, uh, this is, was an opportunity to acquire uh, more draft picks, but still, you know, and, and a player that replaces Anthony. So, uh, we, you know, we're moving players out. It, at some point, you got to have players coming in. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, so th- again, this is, it kind of fits with what I think it fits with, or my idea at least was that it fits with what we're doing that, that, Hey, we can bring in more draft picks, uh, you know, a first and a second round, which are pretty valuable picks. Now, um, the history of the draft shows you there's no guarantees there, um, that they turn into players, but Jakob Verana, much like, uh, uh, Anthony Man- Mantha was a high draft pick, was a first round pick with high expectations. Um, he's a little bit younger, a little uh, a year early or a year. Like he's in the same situation with his contract. Anthony was a year ago, and we signed Anthony to a four year contract. And and looking at where his contract is going to potentially expire, and our decision at that point would be obviously either to retain him or or trade him at that point. Um, this opportunity comes along and we can get a younger player that, uh, uh, you know, is somewhat in the same position as Anthony and, and, and add the prospect or the draft picks that, uh, that, that help us in our rebuild. Yeah. So we just, um, again, it, it, a part of, part of drafting, I think is, is, you know, the more draft picks you have, the more chances you have of, of getting a good player. So that's part of the logic. And we find a replacement because we just, it's hard to keep wheeling players out with could draft, these kids are drafted at 18. They take a long time to develop, um, and and there's no guarantees that they are going to turn into players. So I thought it was a good opportunity to, again, try and be as competitive as we can right now, help our current core of young players, um, and and continue on with rebuilding. Have you found Steve in in the job here, and of course the job you did at Tampa Bay, which was fantastic, that you have to uh, you have to pull the ripcord on guys uh, maybe sooner than when you were a player, you might have thought so, that if you watch a guy, Anthony Mantha was obviously a very good player, but inconsistent. I think that's a fair word to attach to him. Uh, uh, he, the expectations didn't always match up to what he did. And, you know, some people say, well, he's only 24, he's only 25, he's only 26, he's only, and you can say that all the way to he's only 33, and then he retires. So do you find that there's a kind of a moment in your mind where you say, you know what, we, we, we've seen what we can get from this guy it's not terrible, but maybe there's something else we can do and, and don't hang on to somebody too long because then they're not considered valuable by another team. And you end up, as I say, pulling the cord. Well, again, I, I don't, I'm not so sure that I was like, you know, pulling the cord on Anthony as I was of, you know, what's, what, what's better for our team in the long run, what's better for the team in the short term. So you know, this would have been a harder trade or a harder decision to trade Anthony if it was just, uh, just say draft picks, you know, because again, we're taking a, uh, you know, Anthony's had, uh, you know, an up and down year this year, but so is Jakob Verena, you know, uh, like uh, just for our fans and, and, and no, like Jakob was, was a healthy scratch uh, uh, recently as well. He's, um, it's been a trying year for both players, and, and I'm not really sure why uh, in uh, in Washington. I can't comment. I'm not in within the organization. I'm not in the locker room. I don't have the the you know the uh, uh, the insights within the organization as why and why they felt like he was uh, expendable. But um, 
it just again it was a look at it as we're getting uh, a, a, a young player that we think is somewhat comparable or has the potential to to fill the role that Anthony played for us and to acquire draft picks. So uh, I guess in in you know we assess players. Uh, it's our job to assess players at at every level, including on our own club. And uh, um, in, in this case, you you know you. you Sometimes you're not necessarily planning to trade a player, just something comes along and you know what, you think that makes sense. It, it makes us better as an organization and you go ahead and do it. The reality is if we want to get, um, whether it be really good prospects from an organization that help us or high draft picks, the only way we're getting that is with our really good players. <laughs> that's, right. that's the truth. Right. So we're kind of stuck in the middle a little bit, you know, uh, because our really good players, uh, you know, our be- you know, you look at our top players right now. They're you, you know Phil Heronic, uh, Dylan Larkin, um, you know Anthony was in that core group. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, who's injured right now, those are the ones who are getting us the, the those potentially impact uh, or, or high draft picks or, or potential prospects. So, uh, if you want to get this, was an opportunity to get those prospects and then uh, or those draft picks, excuse me, and and also. You know, I do get a replacement for Anthony, so uh, that makes it a little bit easier decision. So it's more so, what what are we moving out versus what are we getting in? And I thought it was a, a, a good trade off to acquire those picks and acquire somebody to fill the role. And look, none of that is to say Nick that, that Anthony Mantha's a bad player. He's a good player. He just unfortunately too inconsistent, and it just didn't pan out here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I think Mitch and, and uh, Iserman brought up a great point. You just got to cut bait at some point, get what you can uh, for the player, and they got a, a massive haul, and I don't see any downside of this trade. Just to keep in mind, though, this isn't the last you know important decision, at least with this current roster as it sits now, that Steve Eiserman's going to have to make. Dylan Larkin will, will probably be here for the foreseeable future, 24-year-old captain now, um, and his contract runs until 2023. But remember, Tyler Bertuzzi, the other member of that top line the last couple of years, he's going to be a restricted free agent again this summer, arbitration last offseason. So these talks, certainly not over. All right, more to come here on Sports Wrap coming up next. Now back to more Sports Wrap, presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, welcome back. So to wrap up this wonderful Saturday here on Sports Wrap on 760 WJR, we thought it would be fun to to, to give you some, uh, I, I don't know, what, what, do you, what do you want to call this, Nick? Some, some of these uh, brain busters for you. Give you two <laughs> options of something. Two options. And then we got to figure out what we want, what we'd rather have. Would you rather? So uh, I know you got the list in front of you, so let's get this thing going. All right. Um, so starting off with some, let's start with the Lions. All right. The Lions have acquired. I don't know these. No, you don't. The Lions have acquired, okay. of course, Jared Goff. Uh-huh. Would you rather have Jared Goff return to his 2018 form where he threw for 4,700 yards, 32 touchdowns, and 12 picks? He went thirteen and three. Not saying the Lions would go thirteen and three, but that kind of season from Jared Goff, or the Lions draft mm. Justin Fields. 
Well, that's a good one. I, I, I for me, it's Justin Fields. Um, because I think that at this point we're looking into the future. We're looking at what this team can do two, three, four years down the road. I don't think Jared Goff is that guy long term. But if he returned um, to his old form, maybe you got something to build on. In his mid twenties, I mean, it's possible. I, for me, I, I'm I'm looking to I'm looking to the future, and I'm looking to somebody. If 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 Justin Fields is available there, I, I'm going to look to Justin Fields. Yeah, I would agree. With what you. about you? I would agree. Uh, if you can get Justin Fields on a rookie contract, although you'd still be paying Jared Goff this sure. year and next year, um, I think I'd rather have Justin Fields. All right, some yeah. Tigers. Would you rather have Akil Badu? Hit 305 with 25 home runs this season, or if Casey Mize win 15 games with an ERA of two and a half. So Akil Badu, 305, oh. 25 homers, or Casey Mize, 15 wins with an ERA of 2.5. It's another tough one for me. Um, I, again, I I don't I don't know that it's beneficial for this team to win games. So uh, I'm at the point where I think I'd rather have the numbers that Akil Badu would put up. Wow, I disagree. I think the Casey, I think Casey Mize is already going to have a pretty decent campaign here, but those are wacky numbers. Yeah. So oh, it'd be insane if we win 15 games, especially on this team. <laughs> but yeah. I, I think those pitching numbers are easier to bring to next year and easier to replicate. If you see that from a pitcher, it's like, okay, we got someone. Like Cy Young candidate here. Yeah, but if Akil Badu hits 25 home runs. A flash in the pan. It could be a flash in the pan. You never know. All right. But well, on enough. the other hand, I agree with you in the fact that the Tigers need a hit on one of these hitters to jumpstart this rebuild because they've got Torkelson, they've got Riley Green, they've got – Candelario kind of like they need some hitters. So I think it would be interesting to have Akil Badu be one of those guys for the future. Yeah. I, I don't think that Akil Badu with those numbers necessarily will win you games. I think that'll keep morale up to a certain extent yeah. and not, and not, you know, these guys aren't going to be dejected, but at the same time, uh, yeah, those numbers are pretty good either way. <laughs> I don't know that I would be upset with either of those yeah. sets of numbers. All right, so Michigan, you're a Michigan guy. I'm a state guy. Would you rather yeah. have Jawan Howard win the national championship next year or have Jim Harbaugh go to the college football playoff? And I guess you can ask the same question for me. Would I rather have Izzo win the championship or Mel Tucker go to the playoff? Yeah, that that to me is simple. It's very easy. Jim Harbaugh. Um, that's that's the football team making the the playoffs. Really? But yes. if they make the playoffs, that means Harbaugh is going to get an extension. Is that what you want? Well, I'll tell you this. <laughs> if if they make the playoffs, that means they probably, well, that that means they, they won the Big Ten, which is the first time that's happened since, yep. I, I don't know. Uh, they probably the, would have the, beaten Ohio State. The Flintstones. Yep. Uh, they probably would have beat Ohio State. Uh, yeah, I would take that. I would, I would, as a, as a, uh, downtrodden, beaten to a pulp Michigan football fan. Uh, I would take that yeah. over I would, a Jawan Howard title. I would say Tom Izzo, but there's also that, uh, catch 22. If, if Harbaugh went, goes to the college football playoff, he can get an extension, which some Michigan fans might not like. If Tom Izzo wins a championship, which would be great. 
I would not complain. That might uh, expedite his retirement. Sure. In which case, he'd be gone. So I I would, of course, take a championship, but I don't want him to retire. Well, from a state perspective, that's an interesting question because, you know, if if Mel Tucker were to take a team to the Final Four, uh, that would be spectacular. Yeah, it would. In in year two, yeah. where he's really only got a year and a half under his belt, or or, or really a half a year under his belt, yeah, um, that would be spectacular. Now, with that said, it, I agree with you because would Izzo would would Izzo just hang it up? I mean, there's always been that rumor that Izzo's looking for number two. Yeah. He's looking for number two. So if he got number two, what would he do? Number two takes him to an elite category, too. Sure All right, does. another question. Who would you rather see return to Detroit for their retirement? Justin Verlander or, not sure you know he's still playing, Pavel Datsuk, still playing in Russia. I did know Pav is, is still playing. Um, he's been there for five years. Yeah, that is wild, actually. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 that is, it, so Seems like who'd rather see ago. return to Detroit, Verlander or Datsuk? Uh, uh, I am such a big Datsuk guy. Um, I've just never been able to, I've never seen anybody do what he could do with the puck. Um, I have so many more like incredible, like Datsuk moments that Datsuk would be the guy that I'd want to see come back. But it would, I mean, I think realistically it'd be Verlander. Yeah, I think realistically, I mean, Verlander has a much better chance of coming back, but it's, it's a would right. you rather question. Yeah, it would, for me, it'd be, it'd be Pav. It'd be the match. I don't blame you. Yeah. I would say Verlander, but I can't, I can't argue against what you just, what you said. All right, last one. Who would you rather see win the draft lottery? Our two teams have had a bunch <laughs> of bad luck recently. Both at the bottom of their prospective leagues, the Red Wings or the Pistons. Yeah. Who would you rather see win the draft lottery? Um. Wow, that's a that's a tough one. Um, my 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 gut says the it would be the Red Wings, mm. but I think if I think it would be more beneficial for the Pistons to win the draft lottery. Yep. I agree. I think that would be. Uh, much more impactful for that organization. Yeah, just w- based on what Art Regner said last year uh, or last week, the a lot of minors didn't play in uh, hockey. Right. Colleges didn't play as much, so the scouts are a little behind the eight ball in the NHL. There is a definite top four or five in the NBA. So although if the Pistons don't win the lottery, if they're at three, they could still get a franchise difference maker, but. I would say the Pistons, but if they're four, four, three, three or four or five, I think they're still in good shape. But I think the Pistons need some luck. The Pistons do need some luck. They they need a bona fide playmaker. They need a star, uh, and unfortunately, they haven't been able to get that yet. Uh, but wow, good stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll try to bring this back as often as we can. Uh, would you rather? Those are tough questions. Boy, ah, ah, I would go Pistons draft. I would go Pistons winning the lottery. That would be the answer. Then I don't know there is a wrong answer there, but that would be my answer. All right, that's going to do it for Sports Wrap today. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 6. Have yourself a wonderful Saturday.